Yeah, no, we did like a little a little session. It was, the timing wasn't great. Um, and I feel like it was a little bit funny, you know. <laughs> but like I said, it's not like, oh, that's it. It's never going to happen yeah. again, you know. It's just like, all right, let's just wait till the timing feels better and everybody's in like kind of on the same page and the right you know frame of mind for it. Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Right here. Aisha Tyler. The Tribe Call Quest. Fred Armisen. Fritz Paul. Javier Munoz, Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim, and you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. Ow! What's up? What is up? I'm Elia Einhorn. Welcome back to the Talk House Podcast. This week, my guest host is... Nick Dawson, Editor-in-Chief of Talk House. And what we just heard was Karen O talking to Sam Spiegel, giving us a little update into what exactly is happening with the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs as a huge fan of the band. I'm very excited to hear that although they may not have a new record in the works, there's still, you know... Are you saying there's a chance? She's saying there's a definite chance, Nick. There's a definite chance, which makes me very happy. And we get so many cool, similar insights into everything Karen's working on, everything Sam Spiegel's working on in this conversation. Now, Sam, of course, is an L.A.-based quintuple threat, Nick. He's a producer. He's a songwriter. He's a composer. He's a DJ. And he's a director. Yeah, he's been doing some really cool stuff and commercials and doing stuff with the Wu-Tang Clan. And he is the, the biggest Wu-Tang Clan fan. So that stuff is pretty dope. And, of course... The reason that he knows Karen is that he's Spike Jones's brother. So movies just runs in the family. Right, right. Spike and Karen dated a number of years back. And when Karen first moved to L.A., she and Sam were introduced and artistically hit it off right away. Now, Sam, aside from working with Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, has worked with some incredible artists over the years, including through his project NASA. That stood for North America, South America. The guests on that record were staggering. Kanye West, Leaky Lee, David Byrne, The Cardigans, MIA, George Clinton, John Frusciante of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and so many more, including a bunch of the Wu-Tang Clan. Killer Bees. Watch out for the Killer Bees, Nick. Okay, I will. Now, Sam is dropping a full-length record in late July. He's dropped a couple singles, though. Nick, let's take a listen to the song that Kara No calls a banger. Perfect. We global from LA to Paris, San Paulo. Eu faço o que eu quero, eu sou muito louco. Tô no mundo inteiro, São Paulo pro todo. You're perfect. Oh, oh, oh. Now work it. Oh, oh, oh. You're perfect. Oh, oh, oh. All around the world. You're perfect. Oh, oh, oh. Now work it. Oh, oh, You're perfect. Oh, oh, oh. All around the world. I'd say it's a banger. I love that song. And while we're talking about new records, Karen O, of course, has her first record in a number of years, Lux Prima, which she made with Danger Mouse, which is this expansive, dreamy, cinematic record. I really, really love it. Before we get into me telling you a little about Karen O, you probably don't know that much about her, Elliot. Never heard of her. <laughs> this is Redeemer. This record has a great sound, Nick. Yeah, I really love it. And, you know, while we're talking about Spike Jones and Karen O and the Spiegel family genius, I got to say, Karen's soundtrack for Where the Wild Things Are is, from my money, one of the great film soundtracks. So beautiful. It's perfect. 
The really cool thing about Karen and, and Sam having this conversation at this particular time is that Sam has this sensorium project, which is kind of like an audiovisual experience that he's created around his music. And Karen has just had an amazing short run with an encounter with Lux Prima, which is her own audiovisual sensory experience, which ran at the Marciano in LA, and I believe will be popping up around the country. She talks in this conversation about how much she hates touring, and this was her way of finding a different way of getting the record out there to people. And they talk about so much more. We hear all about their Stop the Virgins collaboration. Right, which made it into the world as a sort of opera theater project in 2012, but is a full record. And <laughs> with 14 years on the clock, Karen will eventually <laughs> be releasing this. And it sounds amazing. They also talk about what it's like to collaborate with your brother, if your brother's Spike Jones. Indeed. And also what it's like to make that difficult second album. Sam was a producer on Show Your Bones, which is maybe my favorite Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's record. And apparently that was a tough one to make. I was very surprised to hear about Karen's changing musical tastes as she grows older. Nick, I'm not going to spoil it for listeners, but I was very surprised. And I'm kind of in the same boat. I, I had slippers, a pipe, you know, put me next to uh, maybe a little bit of, well, I'm not going to spoil it either, but yeah. <laughs> they also chop it up on bong hits, working with ODB, and how the yeah, yeah, yeahs have basically become family. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And I'd like to think that family is going to get back together soon. Sounds like it. Anyway, let's dive into this talk. It's a great one. Let's roll it. I was hoping to set the tone because they don't—they can't see us and tell everybody that's listening to how Karen's wearing her Batman costume. <laughs> and I'm wearing my Spider-Man costume. <laughs> All right, so should we just, should we kick, kick into gear? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm going to eat this grape and take a sip of tea and then I will... Okay. All right. Let's start. <laughs> hi, hi, Karen. Hey, Sam. Um, so yeah. So like I said, I came highly prepared today, and uh, I was going to kick things off with uh, with with a question. Wait, can I just? Yeah. I just want to tell people mm-hmm. that we spoke yesterday, <laughs> and I was like, "Hey, what should we talk about? Let's let's figure it out." And you were like. No, we'll just play it loose. Don't worry about it. Like we'll just play it loose and yeah, figure it out. I have out. about three pages of questions. So. <laughs> so basically, Karen tricked me. She she's ambushing me with like a notebook filled with questions. Nah, and I'm completely. You're, you're gonna like these questions, ex- except for maybe two of them. So okay. uh, we'll see if we get to the. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to start just like talking about how we met and stuff because we've known each other for like about 15 years now. Basically, I had just moved to LA. I was dating a brother. Your brother is like, oh, you don't know anybody in LA? Like, and my brother makes music. So, you know, you want to go over to his place and, and like check out what he does? And I was like, okay, that sounds good. Cause yeah, I didn't really know anybody in LA at the time. I just was a New Yorker for a long time before that. And then um, the first song we started working on, because, you know, we just started making music together pretty, like, pretty much right away, um, happened to be like Old Dirty Bastards' last recording. That's right. <laughs> So it's it's just interesting to me because like for one thing, yeah, I was like 25 at the time, I think. You're 24 and you're working with like Old Dirty Bastard and Fat Lip and Money Mark and uh, you kind of seem like simultaneously like unflappable about like the sort of talent you were working with that young, but also like I would say pretty egoless about um, like your service to like the collaboration and I was really impressed by that. But I guess as a producer, you're generally, you have to be somewhat egoless. But like, I never really asked you, you know, or maybe I did and I forgot, but like, how did you make those connections? Like, how are you working with like 
old dirty bastard when you're like 24 years old and stuff. Well, yeah, that first NASA record was like, I don't know, I just, it was a time when people weren't doing a lot of collaborations. It was, mm-hmm. it, like now, like every song is like five features on it. Right, you know? right, right. And I, I just wanted to make a record like with all my heroes kind of and all the people I admire. And so I just started reaching out to people and was pretty relentless about it. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, I grew up in New York in the 90s and like Wu-Tang was like my favorite rap group for many years and I just loved them and, and uh, my cat's named Wu-Tang, like I'm a huge Wu-Tang fan and, and ODB is, was obviously like the kind of heart and soul of Wu-Tang and, and so yeah, I wanted to record with him and do a song with him And but then all the other people on the record too was like, you know, David Byrne and Tom Waits and these were just kind of music heroes of mine and then it was kind of fun because with like you and ODB and Fat Lip, mostly it was like I was able to like do these collaborations. It would be like a friend of mine mm-hmm. who was like a young kid like me making music and like some hero legend of ours. So just to interject because I'm curious. So when you say you were relentless about hunting them down and, and like and getting them to work with you in 2004, like does that just mean like emails or like phone calls or like, emails and yeah. phone calls uh-huh. and like and were they generally available and around and like open? Some to people it? were really easy. Like the first one of the first people I, that was on the record that wasn't somebody I was friends with was David Byrne. Right. I had met China Chow, who's David Byrne's niece. I didn't even know that, oh, but right. we were friends, and then she like linked us up. And then David Byrne emailed me immediately within five minutes of hearing the song because he's like a big Brazilian music fanatic and, you know, all the samples. And it was very Brazilian influenced, that album. And and he got back right away. So sometimes it's really easy. But with ODB, he like flaked on the session like three times. (laughs) And I had to go through like between, I think there was like four or five different middlemen that I was dealing with. (laughs) And then I ended up with this guy named like Titanic's like hood apartment in in uh, Harlem to record him and then ODB Wait, Titanic flaked. was Titanic was like his engineer man. guy oh, engineer, one okay, of the yeah. middlemen and engineers yeah. and I showed up at his like tiny apartment in Harlem and then ODB flaked again <laughs> uh, and then he ended up sending the tracks and but yeah it was a lot of just relentlessness and and like hip hop was kind of in a different state then because like then it was like MC was king in mm-hmm. the er, like early 2000s. Like the MCs were like some of the biggest artists in the world, like Busta Rhymes and like everybody, like they were huge artists. Yeah. And so these rappers were just used to just like, and people weren't even really touring. Everyone was just making so much money from the CD sales and right. and, and features that like they just didn't give a fuck. Right. And so like they were just like, yeah, sure, like I'll show up. It, it, was, it was a lot more challenging. I think now there's like a lot more hunger in like, in music in general and people are like not everybody was like this but some of the rappers I dealt with like ODB mm-hmm. but you'd expect that from him but yeah I don't know I just like it was a lot of chasing down and, and just relentlessly emailing and finding figuring out how we're going to get in touch with somebody and just you know I didn't even have a manager it was just like me calling and emailing and stuff <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty impressive, I gotta say. And like, I remember you, you talking about you had a relationship with like Fat Lip too, right? At the time, and like, and you guys worked together a bunch, but yeah, you just had sort of almost like a friendship or something with him. And yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. still do. Yeah, yeah you still do. Great, He's a cool. great friend. Yeah. Like, and you know, he toured with us a lot, and he was so psyched because he was like a huge ODB fan. He oh, was really? like the biggest ODB fan in the world. And then it was fun that like we met and just like, instantly started recording too, you know, like we met and then I feel like probably the next time we hung out, we probably made that song, right? Yeah, 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 yeah I think so. I just did like, what I do, like the chorus on it or something? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't think I've heard it in like, in about like 14 years, so. I think you, you came in and you came up with it in like 10 minutes and recorded <laughs> the whole thing. 
And then it was fun because from that, I think the next song we did together was Hello Tomorrow, right? Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Which was for Spike's um, Hello Adidas commercial. Right, right. Which was, to this day, it's like one of my favorite songs that like I've done. It just has such a great feeling. Yeah, I love that song. And that commercial is pretty awesome too. Yeah, that was, how did that happen? That was just like, he just kind of wanted some music and we we're like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll write it. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> He's like, okay, um, total faith, you know, in our abilities, you know. But w- one thing I was gonna say is yeah. like, when we did that song, I kind of like realized like the the vision and like the magic that you bring to stuff. <laughs> and I think like from then on, I was always just like, okay, follow Karen's like instinct always. <laughs> you j- just brought like so much magic, like you always do to it, and and the song it just feels like you, and like it's like sweet, but like a little like kind of mysterious and like dark too, a little and bit like, offbeat too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was just sort of, um, I guess, like flexing those muscles at the time, like I or like discovering those muscles at the time. Really, I think you know, because like I think the majority of what I had done up to then was uh, records with a band, and I feel like through our early collaborations, especially after moving to Los Angeles, just the way that I approached music kind of shifted a bit. And like, um, yeah, it was weird. I remember like just even just like the space here in, in LA. It's kind of changed now. It's like gotten so crowded, but like. But like from going from, you know, New York City to like these sort of wide open, you know, Western kind of like vistas and skies and big streets that are like wide and open with palm trees and stuff. I don't know. It kind of like did something to my brain where I just kind of opened up more like I think creatively and like felt like more space to explore and discover different aspects of my creativity and stuff. And then, you know, because you were like one of my only friends who made music here, you know, we did a lot of that together in, in those days. So like, I think you helped me sort of pave the road for that, which was pretty oh, that's rad. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, because right after that, we went into working on the Stop the Virgins album. Mm-hmm. Right, yes, which nobody really knows about. <laughs> And for those that don't know, Stop the Virgins is like a fucking amazing album that we did in 2005. Right. So it's like uh, 14 years. Yeah. 14 years unreleased now. Yeah. And it's so and, cool. And continuing to be unreleased, but hopefully soon. Yeah. Like we'll when out. you say hopefully soon, because this is like every year, like I'm like, Karen, are we going to put the Stop the Virgins album out this year, please? <laughs> I'm closer than ever. I'm closer than ever to to, to wanting that out there in, in the world. So it could be it could be very very soon. <laughs> like what what was like the making that album like for for you? Yeah, that was like one of the greatest uh, music writing experiences um, of my life. And again, because it was just like you know felt like a brand new slate, like West Coast. Um, we just started you know writing this music like with a sort of Phil Spectory beat, right? That's like mm-hmm. how, how it all kicked off. And then just like invited a bunch of friends to come and like join the party basically, which was like Kim Deal and Money Mark and Jack Lawrence and Patrick from like the Greenhorns or Slash Raconteurs and stuff like that. And, and Nick. John, John Frusciante. And John Frusciante and Nick Zinner. And then there was like always a very large bong, you know, like. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I still have that bong before. actually. It's, it's in the cabin. I never <laughs> use it anymore. <laughs> That's, that's when I used to do bong hits when I was in the studio. That doesn't happen so much anymore. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it just like came together, just like kind of like we pulled it out of the ether. And it was, it's a, 
magnificent scope record. Um, that in a way I think is like this record that um, putting out Lux Prima with Danger Mouse feels almost like like not like a like sequel or a prequel to it in a way. Um, it's like a, a similar sort of dreamy and lush kind of vibe to it. But I think the difference being back then when I was like in my early 20s doing it, there's just like a lot more angst and emotion. So it's very raw, but like, but quite, you know, cinematic and dreamy and stuff. But anyway, yeah, so we can't talk about that too much because nobody knows what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and well, tell me about the Lux Prima album. Like, how'd you end up uh, working with Danger Mouse? Basically, Brian and I, like, I think it was back in 2007, we were talking about maybe working together on some music. And he played me some stuff that you know, he was doing, and actually, um, it was right after we did Stop the Versions, and it was kind of in a similar vein. So I was like, "Yeah, I'm not, you know, I just did this other stuff that sounds a little bit like this. So, you know, let's see what else comes up." And I played him some demos that ended up being Crush songs, and he was like, "Yeah," he's like, "You know, I kind of um, want to make stuff from scratch with you rather than work on like produce some, like something you've already written and stuff." And so then, like, yeah, ten years later. <laughs> Like in 2017, we started like hanging out and uh, we kind of run into each other in like the interim and like we're both kind of mutual fans of each other's work. But then it's just like, yeah, we just started talking about, okay, well, what would happen if we just book some studio time and went in and see what happened and stuff, which we did. And then Lux Prima like was born basically out of that. It was a good match, you know, if you're like trying to set two people up on like a music date. <laughs> we're, like, <laughs> we're pretty well like complimentary, you know, in that sense, just with the sort of stuff we like influences and also just sort of the fact that we both have had, you know, like a similar time of being out there in the world, being an artist and stuff, you know, we're kind of veterans at this point too. So it worked on, on many levels and we just kind of were at, were at a point where we just wanted to, yeah, just like make something rad and not think about and not have to worry about singles. It was just like a total exploration and sort of innocent sort of discovery record, you know? That's cool. Yeah. When, when when did you guys actually start working on the record? I think it was 2017 when we started going in the studio and trying things out. And um, yeah, it's pretty awkward at first because um, you, you have to like break the ice, you know, with like someone new. And I'm, I'm used to working with like producers like you and um, like Dave Siddick and Nick Lane, who are all like actually extremely enthusiastic, you know, <laughs> get really excited like off of basically nothing. And no, no that's a good trait. <laughs> As artists, as like insecure artists really need that. And Brian's like very different as producer. He holds his cards really close, you know, mm-hmm. and so like he's more reserved. But then when when you like flip the switch with him, he just like melts. Then he shows like how enthusiastic he is, just like the rest of you. But he's definitely a little bit different in his like kind of demeanor. So I had to like, you know, learn those ropes as well. <clears throat> At first where you were like, uh, I don't know if he likes anything <laughs> yeah. I'm doing. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a thought crossing my mind a lot in there, you know, where I was just sort of like, oh my God, like, I do not have this. this is, I'm embarrassing myself, you know, like, I like, you know, don't have it anymore. Like, you know, this is like a waste of time. I'm so, I'm so sorry, I'm wasting his time. And and then like, and then, but then it would have like swing to like, oh my God, this is like some of the, my favorite stuff I've ever made. And like, this is awesome. And, you know, like it just, it, it'd be swinging from pole to pole a bit. Um, yeah. But that's just kind of like how it goes as an artist in general. So, yeah. Yeah. I want just to loop it back to like sort of uh, what you've been doing for like the last like 15 years, like since since we met with just like these collaborations, you know, with like pretty amazing artists. I just want to loop it back because like these singles that you're putting out, and I think you're like putting them out how often now? About once a month. Okay, once a month. Um, they are very dope bangers. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> they're very dope bangers, yes. <laughs> and um, like I'm impressed by them because it's like you have the experience of like 15 years of doing this, but it's like you haven't aged a day like like edgewise with your sort of like energy and vigor, you know? I wouldn't be able to like write a banger of this this sort. Like for, like for instance, I'm going to throw out one of the names Perfect. That's like quite banging. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to do that. It's just extremely youthful and energetic and awesome. And so I, I'm kind of curious, like, you know, how do you keep your youthful vigor with still wanting to make like club bangers and stuff? <laughs> uh, well, thanks for, for saying <laughs> that. And uh, yeah, I think uh, I just like, I, th- I listen to a lot of like club music. I listen to everything, but I yeah. listen to like a lot of club music and trap and festival bangers and stuff like that. I actually really love that type of music. Yeah. And uh and I feel like, you know, in a way it's kind of like the newest kind of music. And, and I like feel like music is such a timely thing, you know. And obviously the best stuff is stuff that's timely and timeless yeah. too, you know. But I get excited about like new stuff that's coming out and, I, and I'm always paying attention to that. And, and it inspires me a lot. And I, I think, you know, the kind of revolution that's happened with like how easy it is to make music and dance music and electronic music and really complex synthesizer music and synthesizer programming too mm-hmm. has like changed the, the way people make music. You know, any kid with a laptop with like a crappy laptop can make like an amazing banger now. And mm. that's so, so cool. So yeah, I don't know, for whatever reason, I, I, I you know, for, or for those reasons, I think I've just been really inspired by like club music and and dance music and you know also I'm a DJ too I've yeah. always been a DJ and and that's always will be part of who I am and yeah so it's kind of like just in like your DNA at this point cuz you're you're like DJing that music fairly regularly and like you have your finger on the pulse and stuff like that so, yeah, yeah and I, yeah I want to know what's going to bang out like that too and, and yeah yeah I guess I guess that's what it is that that interests me just sort of like how you don't seem to yeah like for me like um Getting more into like soft rock and <laughs> really, you know, yeah. like what? I don't, I don't even know what it is. It's just like you know, I listen to like too much like you know uh, oldies and soft rock, and I, I, my like sort of tolerance for like even punk is like really kind of gone down. Where I'm just like, I just like can't listen to it like I used to be able to listen to it, and I'm just like I'm really following that trajectory of getting older, and I don't know. Hopefully, like my taste isn't like you know. Um, <laughs> Disintegrating, I don't think so. But just I think, a little bit. I think, <laughs> I think like you've always been this really like great balance of like angst, yes, and like power, yeah, and then like you always loved oldies, like yeah, back yeah, always, in the day, always, like yeah, you know, it's yeah. like that's such a part of who you are, yeah, yeah. And I almost would want to say that you're like a nostalgist, but I don't think you're a nostalgist. Like I think that you're like a modern, classicist. A classicist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like classic stuff. Yeah, like um, like timeless classic stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's in your taste, not just in music, but in like everything. And 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 it, it's probably part of what makes you great <laughs> is having this like knowledge and love of that stuff. And and you can hear it in your music, especially in the like in the Lux Prima mm-hmm. stuff, and obviously Stop the Virgins. Yeah. You know, it's really like. It's such a great mix. And it's also like sweet and heart because mm. you have like this giant heart and you feel stuff so much. Yeah. And you're like, you're so sensitive. Yeah. But it's such a great balance of sweetness and angst. And I think that's like right. really at the core of your music. You you feel that. Yeah. There's like, sometimes there's like a sinister sweetness in it and sometimes yeah. there's anger and yeah. sometimes there's just like the sweetest, most big-hearted love, too. Right, you know? right, yeah. It's a mixed bag. It's a mixed bag. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I think it's interesting because both you and I actually, we like to do all kinds of stuff, you know, and, and we like to push ourselves out of our comfort zones, you know. And um, I guess one of the questions would be, like, for me, you know, I, I have trouble with, like, wanting to do the same thing or doing what I'm comfortable with, you know, even though it's, like, quite uncomfortable to do things outside of that. But it's just, like, I have this, like, unrelenting drive to, like, push myself to want to do different stuff that I haven't done before, you know? And I feel like you have something similar, you know, because yeah. you're a music producer, you're, you've just gotten into, like, directing, you're directing commercials with Wu-Tang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're a break dancer, you're a surfer, you know, um, you shave quirky things into the side of your head. Um, and, and you're also doing this... Um, sensorium stuff as well, right? Which is like a kind of immersive music experience, which is something that actually I'm doing as well at the, at the moment <laughs> with Lux Prima. We're doing an encounter with Lux Prima at the Marciano, which is also like an immersive sort of experience that's crossing over like art, technology, and, and music. But like, I guess I'm just wondering, like, do you get bored? It's like, was that why you... <laughs> Why you want to like keep doing these like different things, you know? Because not everybody wants to do something do a different. Thousand different things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I I don't know. I mean, I think I just maybe I, it's like a masochistic thing, but yeah. like I love being scared. Okay. Like I love challenging myself. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm addicted to the feeling. Yeah. Of being like, can I do this? Right. I have no idea if I can do this. Right. And then you know, approaching something and then like making something that I'm really proud of. Like, right. I don't know, it's just like the greatest feeling. It is a great feeling, yeah. And I, I think I'm on the same page with you about that. But also, like, I mean, do you get like bored? with? <laughs> <laughs> I think I like, I definitely like variety, but I also think it's more like I like challenging myself to see if I can do something. And I also am just like passionate about a lot of different things, yeah. you know, like yeah. the directing thing. I don't, I think... In the back of my, I love movies so much, you know? And like, I remember saying this like numerous times over the years, like sometimes I'd feel like, I'm like, I think I might like watching movies more than listening to music. There was moments where I'd feel like that. And so probably in the back of my head, there was somewhere where I was like, I want to direct. It's like, it's so complete. It's such a complete art and and it seems like it'd be so fun to do it. But like pretty much everybody that I know wants to direct, you know? Um, I think everybody in this town maybe wants to direct um, Los Angeles. Um, so like, but not everybody does direct, you know. And you know, I went to film school, and that's what I was doing at film school. And I haven't really directed anything since then. Um, just like a couple like sort of more home movie type things. But like, you actually just went ahead and started doing it. Like, what drives you to actually just do that? You know, like what advice would you give to someone who talks about it the whole time and thinks about it the whole time? But doesn't actually ever get around to doing it. I mean, I think it was, it's just like uh, driven by ideas. You know, the way I started directing was because I had this idea when I wrote the song called Jihad Love Squad, which was like the NASA, last ever NASA release. I had an idea that as I wrote the chorus, mm-hmm. I was like, the whole video came to me and, and I believed in the idea so much that I had to go make it. Mm-hmm. So then I just went to India and, and made it. Right. And yeah, so I guess like it was more driven by like inspiration and ideas and feeling like I needed to make something, you know, in the same way probably that everybody makes everything, right? right? No, not really. But like, I mean, like, <laughs> like a lot of people want to make stuff, but they don't end up making it, you know what I'm saying? Because you got to put yourself on the chopping block to a certain degree, you know? And and sometimes you do that in a big way and you put yourself on the chopping block. And sometimes you get chopped into into little pieces and yeah. stuff. Yeah, but it seems like you seem pretty resilient from that. And I mean, you just keep moving forward. And how do you like cope with being chopped up sometimes? Uh, 
I don't know. I, I, I definitely am like up and down mm-hmm. in a way. I think maybe we're similar in that way too. Yeah. But then like when I'm up, when I'm working at like this, I'm working on the video for Perfect now. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it's the greatest feeling in the right. world when you're when you're doing something and you're psyched about it. Mm-hmm. And you know there's a great idea <laughs> at the core of it and you just can't wait to make it. So that's like sort of nothing, like, yeah, that, yeah. yeah. There's yeah. nothing like that. It just drives me. Like I can't even sleep. I barely slept the past few nights. Like I'm so excited about this video, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I think uh, it's my happiest state of being when I'm like in the rapture of like making something that I'm so psyched on. Yeah, no, it's, it is, it is it's the like best. Bliss. Yeah, it's a bliss for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I can't wait for you to direct something. I want <laughs> yeah, one of these days. <laughs> I mean, are your, with your Lux Prima project, like what's the experience you're doing? And, and is, is that something that you kind of directed or the two, you and, and Danger Mouse put together or like how did it come together? Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit like, you know, I've been in a band for about 20 years now and like I was never really that into touring. That might be an understatement, but like. <laughs> <laughs> and then my husband was like, I got an idea. Like, why don't you guys do like an art installation that goes along with the record? Because it's a record that kind of demand something different anyway. You know, it just like takes you places to a certain degree. And then maybe you could tour that, you know, instead of go out and, you know, on the road and, and tour like with a band and stuff. So I was like, yeah, that's brilliant. Let's let's do that. And then over the past year, raising money for it and get trying to get it together is, you know, it's like been pushing a huge boulder up a mountain. So I, I was, you know, at times I was like, that this is the worst idea that, you know, <laughs> I've ever been talked into. <laughs> Um, but actually it's quite awesome. And yeah, I mean, I, I think like for me, you know, and you, you probably you could speak to this too with your sensorium thing. Like I just, you know, I've been doing live performance for so long that, I mean, I do highly value it. I, I think that the communal aspect of it, like bringing people together, bringing them out, like, and especially now in 2019 more than ever when everybody's so connected to their devices more than they are like to each other to a certain degree, detached in, in a way, you know, like there's like a less personal connection than there used to be. I'm really into this idea of creating an experience where you bring people together and they, you know, experience something that bonds them to a certain Mm. degree. And that's like kind of extraordinary and that makes them feel something emotional. And it's just a challenge to do that without like performing and there being a live performance involved. But that's like, I'm up for that challenge. and And I think like, because just going to you know, installations and and museums and being deeply moved by, you know, art, because art is just, art's the best. And like, I I feel like it's possible to to move people deeply without having to be there, like in performing live, you know? And that's like sort of what I'm exploring with this and like a sort of multi-dimensional way where it's um, light and there's sound and there's smell and there's- Smell? Yeah. (laughs) And like, and, and the feeling of wind and water and yeah, basically like a pretty trippy experience in that sense. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. With music. And I have two questions. One is like, when is it going to be at mm-hmm. the Marciano? Mm-hmm. I think it's April 18th. It's the week of Coachella here. Yeah, it's like, it's Oh, cool. Be, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. That's so rad. And it's so cool, like the old Mason Temple. It's such it's, a cool It's such an amazing yeah, institution. Yeah, it's like, it's like one of the coolest buildings in LA I've been yeah. into. Yeah. And so what was the process like? Like, did you think about, I mean, I know you work, you're like so much more like in your heart than like in your head. Yeah, although, yeah. Was your process like? Did you both? Did you guys both kind of come up with a concept, or mm-hmm. did you guys okay? And then did you like think about what the album was about, and then try and translate it? Or? Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, we spitballed about like what 
was going to be the anchor of the experience, which ended up being like a 19-ton rock, you know, <laughs> so, um, which is causing all, you know, has caused like so many problems. It's just <laughs> the most impractical, you know, idea ever. But like, you know, there's like a sort of a, an elemental theme going out throughout the record and like this sort of a return to nature, return to the mother, like themes. And there's also like some kind of cosmic vibes in there too. Mm. So like, so we were just kind of spitballing ideas of like what that could be. And like this monolith idea came to mind, you know, like everybody loves 2001, right? So, <laughs> so like we're kind of doing our own little like 2001, you know, um, cool. we have an amazing creative team and that we put together, um, like Ren Kleiss is working on it, who, oh, right. um, sound designer that Spike's worked on a lot. He does, he's done everything. He's, he's doing sound design and and Tobias Rylander, he's a lighting artist, and he worked on the XX's. Um, did you hear about the XX's installation and no. the armory? Yeah, well, he, he he worked on that. So yes, it's it's a pretty awesome team, and Barnaby's creative directing it, who's my husband. But anyway, but yeah, the sensorium thing that you're doing, like, what did you want to achieve from that? What was the sort of impetus for that? Yeah, that was like, so it was a few things. I mean, one, it was like definitely tied to what you're saying about mm-hmm. how we're connected in so many more ways now, but none of the ways are as intimate. Everything's so much more removed, right. even though we're more connected than ever. And so one of the ideas was, uh, you know, just as a way to kind of have people connect. And, you know, again, I think I felt a similar thing for you is that like this thirst for real connection. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of stuff with Sensorium is about like, throwing you into a situation with somebody you don't even know and you're in this intimate, like not sexually intimate, but like intimate situation with people and even having to touch them or, and interact with them in these ways that you never would interact with a stranger and be able to connect. And, and it's crazy how much people actually like love that. Like yeah. the joy that they get from like, even like having to touch somebody that right. they don't know. And, that, and And in theory, they'd be like, I'm not into that. Like yeah. a lot of people would be like, Dude, I was like really like weirded out at yeah, first, and right. then I had such an amazing time. Wow, yeah, um, that's that's pretty rad. And and I think it was that, and then it was also just wanting to figure out a way, a, a unique way, and a different and original way to like have people experience music in like a social live setting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, with Sensorium, you know, the idea was like I work with uh, this woman Olivia Hamilton, who's like a she's an experienced designer. She she has a like a, a ongoing experience called play that's really fun, and mm-hmm. I actually went to that, and I was like, immediately, I just felt like kindred spirit with her. Um, actually, I met her in a really funny way because I I went on one date with her friend, uh-huh. <laughs> and then her friend, she's like best friends with this girl, and then she was like, well, if you're dating this guy, I want to have like a uh, I, I want to interview him. Oh, really? And then she like FaceTimed me. Wait, Olivia did? (laughs) Olivia did. (laughs) And then like we ended up like talking for like an hour and just got along really well. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and then anyway, then I ended up going to her her play experience and I just loved it. And I was like, this is like, I'd been talking about it like that week. I want to figure out an experience to do. This is the new frontier. Yeah. 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 And I was like, this is exactly the kind of thinking behind what I want to be making. So then, you know, I told her about my sensorium project and 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 that I was just starting to think about at the time. And then we started working together. And uh, and and you know what we do is, you know, we do them every three months. So there'll be three new songs that are out, and we kind of we think about uh, what the songs are about. At first, we were doing it every month, and we just do it one per song. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, now we're doing every three months and we do yeah, three songs and kind of figure out, all right, what's the, what, what are these songs about? What's the commonality and, or theme between the songs and what's the story that the songs can kind of tell? Mm-hmm. And then we'll, we'll create an experience. Sometimes it's guided, sometimes it's not. Sometimes you're just left to do your own thing or explore a space. And then we, I, you know, I'll create like a special versions, pretty like kind of ambient versions of the songs that that fit, like kind of score the night. Uh huh. Right. Right. And then, uh, and then people are kind of led through this experience. And how long does it? Is it? Last uh, for? It's between like forty five minutes to an hour and a half. Oh, you know? Okay. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And then usually, like, I'll do like a DJ set with a couple friends afterwards, and it'll be a dance party afterwards. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's really fun. People seem to really enjoy it. I mean, it's still kind of in like the incubation stage. We've only had like one of the experiences. The last one was the first one we actually had like open to the public. All the previous ones were like very small, like thirty person, fifty person Private groups of like friends yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Cool. And so, uh, yeah, it's really fun. I, I don't know. It's it's new and it's weird. And every time I do it, I'm like terrified that like people because it's so weird. Yeah. Every time I do it, I'm like terrified that it's not going to work and people are going <laughs> to feel uncomfortable and like hate it. That's bound to happen at least <laughs> once, right? <laughs> and I'll just be sitting there and like you know playing the music and looking out and like freaking out. And then like usually like part of the way through, I'm like. Whoa, people love it. And uh, then it's like nice. a huge relief. <laughs> and uh and uh I mean so far that's how it's been at least. <laughs> um I hope, yeah. I hope it continues down that path. <laughs> and for, for for mine as well. <laughs> I'm gonna go um uh yeah, I'm gonna return to um the collaboration thing real quick. Because another collaboration that's worth talking about is between you and your brother. Okay. <laughs> Um, who's Spike Jones? Um, you guys work together a lot, like a lot, a lot. And um, and I and I'd say some of his best work in like the commercial realm um, is with your music. You know, cool, um, like for instance, I think one of the best things I think he's ever done, which is that Kenzo perfume commercial, which you know you guys um, racked up some some awards for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess um, my question would be, what is it like to work with relatives? And is it as bad as they they say? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think it can be complicated. You yeah. know, uh, just because there's a lot more like emotional stuff between you and a relative. Yeah. Over the years, it's been like different kind of learning periods. Uh, there's been like tougher periods, mm-hmm. and then really just one actually. Right. But mostly, it's been like just kind of learning how to work together and learning like. It's interesting, like I had this big epiphany with him recently because he's changed as an artist a lot since I've been working with him too, right. you know? Mm-hmm. And I realized like, I mean, first of all, like he's an amazing artist. And so like I trust, I, I, I always trust his instinct again too, right. you know? Like like same thing with you, you know? Like I'm like, okay, this guy, you know, he's onto something. When he doesn't know, mm-hmm. then I, I chime in and I help with ideas and directions and stuff. Mm-hmm. But when he knows, it's like, Follow that, yeah, 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 always, yeah, and that's something I've always known with him, you know. Um, but I think recently I realized, like, great collaborators, they see the big picture, and especially right. like in film and stuff, and maybe being like, maybe it's having like started directing myself and seeing that. But anyway, I started feeling and realizing that it's really helpful for me to help see the big picture and chime in with any thoughts I have about anything. Right. Mm-hmm. And of course still always follow that really strong vision. Right. 
that he has because it's always on, you know, but also as much as I can try and help him with the big picture stuff too, you know, as well as obviously helping with the music. So like, yeah, I mean, because like, I imagine like, you know, a huge plus with working with your brother would be just like the comfort is there, you know? So like, so you, you have like an innate trust in, in each other. Um, which is a big deal, and you're both very good at what you do. But I guess that's also like a pitfall too, is that it's like easier to be like on like your worst behavior with the people that you love the most too, right? Yeah. Like to a certain degree. So that could be like a bit like crazy, but at the same time, you know that you can't walk away with you just like you you're like in it to win it. I don't know. I, I even feel like in my band with with Nick and Brian and stuff. Like we basically feel like brothers and sisters, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. And I guess I could walk away because um, we're not blood relatives. But like at this point, it kind of feels like we're almost like blood relatives, yeah, you know. Sure. And so even when things got like kind of the hardest, which you were <laughs> there for, which is our second record, which um, Sam was one of the producers on, um, <laughs> Show Your Bones, which is like one of the hardest recording experiences and writing experiences of my life. Yeah, um, same here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I wanted to kind of walk away because it was that miserable at, at a certain point. But like, it was weird because it almost felt like, I don't know, like I've never really given up on anything necessarily. But like, it felt like we were like kind of on our worst behavior with each other, but that no one was going anywhere, you know? <laughs> so it was like, because we were like basically like felt like family at that point. And we were like, all right, we're going to just have to stick this through. And, and hopefully, you know, we'll be able to look each other in the eye like at the end of it or even have a great time, which in the end we did. Like touring behind that record was like some of the the best shows I've ever played in my life. It was just so cathartic because it was like so tough making it that like when we finally got to like just get on the road and do what we do like on stage, which is like quite a cathartic thing. It was just like times a hundred cathartic, you know. And it was really like yeah, as you say, like quite blissful. So it kind of it like smoothed over some of the hardship of it. But uh, yeah, but that yeah, was so intense. I, I remember was... those shows. That, like <laughs> you guys were intense. I remember coming backstage immediately after you guys played Coachella, yeah. and you guys were just like, <gasps> like just like, like we need a minute. <laughs> We, we're awesome. always like that after a show, but like, but, um, but yeah, I mean, like, Power, so it is, it's interesting because I kind of answered my own question, even though I'm not blood related to Nick and Brian, but like, but yeah, like, I just feel like collaborating with people that you're that close to is, it's interesting, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, I agree. Yeah. And it's interesting, like the first time you collaborate with someone, there's this like looseness, like right in the beginning, oh, yeah. there's this like, it's like almost like maybe like, like the honeymoon period. It's the honeymoon like, period. Yeah. <laughs> But then when you have somebody that you've been working with forever, you end up developing this like trust mm-hmm. and, and, and like ease that's nice. And, and I feel like if the communication is good, yeah. that's like, you know, at least for me, like I'm like such a communicator and stuff. And this is again, like really personal for me because I like to communicate with us. Like as long as stuff is being talked about and, and if those complications come up, mm-hmm. they're kind of talked about and hashed out and, you, you know, like, with he's like a great person so yeah. you know like I, I know he's a great person and, and I know I'm a great person and so as soon as we talk about something it's like much easier to kind of to surpass any complications and, right. and then then the and overall ease and knowing each other is just like it's it's great when you have that kind of almost like second nature knowing like being able to know what somebody's going to want before they know it you know yeah, 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 no, totally, yeah, I, I get that for sure. I was just thinking about, like, before I met my, like, husband, for instance, uh, when there was, like, relationships, like, before that, like, it was, like, I'd last about, like, generally a year to a year and a half in, in, like, all, you know, any given, like, love relationship previous to that. 
And so, um, so when I met my husband, you know, and something went awry, you know, I'd be like, oh, that's it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's over. Like that was one and a half <laughs> years is gone. You're like, like we passed that point and you know, okay, I'm out, you know? And he'd be like, you know, no, like, wait a second, wait a second. We can, we can figure this out. Um, and I'd be like, really? Okay. Let's, okay. Let's figure it out. And then something else would have to be like, oh, oh, you know, <laughs> like that's, <laughs> that's like, I think I've, I've, I screwed up too bad and, 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 you know, I'm, I'm out, you know? And, and he'd be like, no, yeah, I forgive you. You're fine, blah, blah. and it's funny. Just, it takes like a certain. It's not just like the um, experience of like sort of that trust that you build, but like it's like a maturity almost, you know. And you kind of grow up with these people. You've grown up with your brother, obviously, but like I grew up with, you know, like the band. And yeah, you you have to gain this sort of maturity to know that like just because you fuck up or they fuck up doesn't mean that it's game over. That like I said, you're kind of like in it for the long haul, and that like you know you'll make it through. So like for us, like when people are like, when are you going to put out that next Yaya's record? Is it ever going to come? It's been like <laughs> six years now. <laughs> Is it over? She's doing other things. I think I think she's done with the van. And I'm like, no, 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 it's not that. I'm in it for the long haul, but it just, you know, it's just got to be right and it's got to feel right so that it's just the best side of us and it's the best that we have to offer, you know? So Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I like that. But that's a good note to leave off on. Totally. <laughs> cool. Awesome. All right. Karen O, Sam Spiegel, thank you so much for chopping it up here on the TalkHouse podcast. Yeah, what a great conversation. Thank you to those guys. I'm very excited to hear Sam's record, which is going to be out later in the summer. And I'm going to be, hopefully for much of the summer, sitting outdoors, listening to Karen's record and just enjoying being in nature. I think it's going to be the perfect combo. I have to say, I have my fingers crossed for being in their AV experiences soon too, Nick. I'm hoping those come to New York. Yeah, that's going to be amazing. Definitely. Listeners, if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to check out Karen O's Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's bandmate, Brian Chase, on a past episode where he speaks with Kit Malone of TV on the Radio and Lizzie Goodman, who wrote the book Meet Me in the Bathroom. This episode was recorded by Ali Niku at Sam's House in L.A. Our co-producer is Mark Yoshizumi, and the TalkHouse podcast theme was composed and performed by The Range. Check out at TalkHouse across all socials for some very cool behind-the-scenes pictures from this recording session. Yep, those guys look pretty natty in their uh, Batman and Spider-Man outfit. <laughs> Till next week, I'm Ellie Einhorn. I'm Nick Dawson. Peace. Bye. <laughs>